listening to Have the Conversation Podcast, a podcast centered around mental health, wellness, and everything in between. I'm Kala. And I'm Leanne. We're sitting down with everyday people to talk about life and the lessons they've learned, all in an effort to connect and stay encouraged. I don't know about you, but I love when we have other podcast hosts on the show. I agree. And the conversations always go deep and in every direction. It's so true. This week, Zach Mathers from Braving the Journey podcast joined us, and I don't want to give too much away, but we go there in terms of shame, religion, the church in general, mindset, alcoholism, and so many more things. I love this conversation so much. It challenged me in the best ways, and I think we should just share it already. I couldn't agree more. Let's do it. I know. It was funny. This morning, I actually listened to your guys' goals. And um, you're like morning conversation or coffee oh, yeah. conversation and like your goal setting yeah. and stuff. And so it was kind of fun for me to like get to hear your guys' goals. Um, but it got me thinking about just kind of my my story, my process where I'm at. And I, I have had a, a chance a lot lately to speak about um, my whole story, like my mm-hmm. what got me like, you know, how I became an alcoholic and my recovery process and everything that's gone on and so it's kind of one of those funny things like i was sitting this morning i was like i don't even know where i want my conversation to go today with you guys like i was like are you over it <laughs> no i'm not it's not that i'm over it but i was like i was like uh, i i usually have a tendency to focus a lot on um the power of shame because I, you know okay. for for me personally like shame held me paralyzed for so long and i was so unaware of it um and so i i have a tendency to, to kind of I've been talking a lot about that. Um, but then I'm also like, um, this morning I was just reading and doing some stuff and I got really stuck on this idea of like acceptance. And I, for me, that was one of my hardest things, like to accept the fact of where I was at. Um, I was, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't, that I was an alcoholic. I couldn't accept what I did with inside my marriage, like all these things. I'm so I'm going to give you a heads up real quick. So I have three of my own kids. And then we just took mm-hmm. on last week, two new foster kids that are ages oh, wow. four and one. And the one-year-old is got sick two days ago. And so is like, literally we've been like functioning on like zero sleep because oh, the, no. the, the one-year-old's just been like up all night. So that's the worst. I have the coffee with you. Hence the coffee all day right now. And uh, me going like, I don't know what I want to talk about. <laughs> I'm just here. You guys are yeah. lucky that I'm here. Yeah, I showed up. Right. So. Yeah, that's what we always talk about. Just show up, just show up and the rest will handle itself. That's right. I'm going to go, I'm going to just go blah, uh, really fast my story. So that way people are like, what's he talking about? Yeah. Well, okay. So we're getting the two hour sleep version of the story. Gotcha. Yeah. Already. It's just like sleepy talk conversation Uh right now. (laughs) Um, Like growing up, I was the guy that early college, like, Anything I put my mind to, I was able to achieve it. You know, started a nonprofit right out of college, was traveling around the world filming short documentaries, um, started like a child sponsorship program over in Africa, um, started a church, was doing all this stuff and it was just working really well um, until, until it wasn't. To a point where I got to, for me, I got married really young, got married at like 21 and um stress for me, just like stress was a big thing. I wasn't willing to look at and be aware of. And then I I dealt with this like idea that I had to have it all figured out in life at 21 years old. And so I was like leading this community, doing all this stuff and had this belief that like I had to have it figured out and I didn't. And so I became internally like I was dealing with a lot of stuff. 
So I ended up acting out on that by having an affair on my wife and I blew my whole world up. So that was kind of my, that was like my beginning of my, my, like lost my job, lost my marriage. My son was, my first son was just born. Um, and I lost my community and any, any form. So for me, it was one of those pieces in my life where everyone has those things that they say, they're like, I will never do this. I would never cheat on my spouse. I would never, those, that was mine. That was like a, I will never. And I found myself doing it. So then all of a sudden I was stuck in the space of like, well, who am I? I don't even believe in myself anymore. Um, and then I, I began down this road of so much shame attached to it. So you say, I, I came out clean about it, told my wife about it, told my church about it. Everything trickle effect, everything started happening in my life and I got separated. Um, we are now, we, I mean, we're still married. We've been married 15 years and three kids later. Um, and she is a yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal woman for the fact she was only just to stay in and fight with it for a while. Uh, but, but for me, my biggest thing in that was I started to medicate the shame I felt with drinking. It was just my, I didn't know how to deal with it. I was seeing a counselor, I was doing all this stuff, but it was so deep inside um, that I would medicate it. And it was small at the beginning. It was like a, a couple of beers here and then turned into a six pack and then it somehow turned into a 12 pack. And all of a sudden I'm a closet alcoholic and way not willing to accept that, that label just was like, Nope, I'm not. Um, and so for years, I'd say eight years, my marriage is doing well. I've shifted careers and I was doing photography at this point and everything was going well, but inside I was still a mess tied up to this, this idea of shame. Like I, I had to, I couldn't forgive myself for what I had done, even though those around me had already forgiven me. I, I couldn't. So needless to say that's when it came to this spot, like probably four years ago, I came to really being able to truly forgive myself and step into like what I believe is like an identity that is, that was given to me, like who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, but the reason, so then all of a sudden this idea of braving the journey came about for me because it's a simple belief I have that when we struggle, which we all are going to like, you know, like some are small struggles, some are big struggles, some are, um, brought on by ourselves and others are brought on by, I think other people around us, but we're going to have struggles in life. And, but when we have them, we have a tendency to believe this lie that we're the only person struggling with it. And then if, and then we move towards a place of isolation versus being aware going, I'm not the only one here. Um, so how do I step into community and walk this out with others? So that was kind of my heart behind the whole, like why starting Braving the Journey podcast. And then once I started diving more into it, um, through some different mastermind groups and different groups of parts I was involved with, I started seeing this big gap in the recovery world. Um, meaning that like, if you're a recovered alcoholic, you go to AA or you go to a treatment center, but there's no like there's going to be people that are struggling with abusing alcohol, but they're, they're not going to identify enough to go to an AA meeting, you know, with a person that lost everything. And, and so for me, that's kind of where the coaching came into play was like, because that's how I felt. I felt like I didn't fit in in any place. I think there's I, you a know, huge I, amount of people that feel that way. Yeah, you know, and so, but I, I think the target people that I'm kind of a, like after is going like, they could easily accept a life coach. You know, they could easily accept that they want to work on. And like, to me with the coaching stuff, it is so much more about digging at the root of it. You know, my, my root was shame. You know, that, that was mine. Mine was, a, I failed. I have so much shame and touch. Then my, that's where my roots at. It wasn't drinking was just the choice to, to numb it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and so to me, it's a lot more about digging it, going, okay, what's the root? Where's it come from? What do you say about who you truly are? And then how do we step into like, like actually believing like not the lies anymore, but the truth, you know? And so that's a lot of the work I get to do with people. And I really, I love it, you know? Yeah, sure. Very fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah, How I do. did you discover the root of shame? Um, honestly, so there was a guy, so I knew, I kind of always knew shame was there. And I mean, even I did a lot of, I did a lot of individual counseling and then I did a lot of like my wife and I did a ton of marriage counseling. Like I'm an advocate for counseling. Like, um, my mom was a marriage and family counselor. counselor. So like, even to the point where like, yeah, like growing up, my friends would be like, Hey, can I hang out with your mom? And I'm like, yeah, go talk to my mom. (laughs) You know? So like counseling was kind of in my world. Um, so I believe in it strongly. And but so, I feel like that would be harder to accept having it so close to you. Um, I think it was at the beginning. There was like a pride to it. Like, um, yeah, this like, oh, I have to see counselor. But now, like I am in, in such a different view of counselors now. Like I, I honestly like we have a counselor that we see. But one of my questions I always ask a new counselor if we're looking to meet with somebody is, do you see somebody yourself? Oh, my God. Like, Kala. That's like, I like read a whole book about that. (laughs) Well, because I'm like, if you believe in it, like, yeah, you know, you're going to have issues too. You're going to have to deal with, you know, something. And so, um, the human in all of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's kind of where, but yeah, I think at the beginning it was a little hard for me to accept. Um, but now I love it. You know, my wife and I, we still, we're doing amazing as far as like where we're at with our marriage and stuff, but like, Man, we have five kids and foster kids and it's just a mess of a it's a mess of things. And so we still do once a month um counseling with and just it's just a place for us to almost check in with somebody else as like a mediator being like, Hey, how is it going? Let me ask you good questions. So does your mom uh, charge you? No, I'm just saying. No. <laughs> hey, my mom, my mom followed my mom. My parents did move out to Maui. So oh, now my friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they're here now. And uh, that's awesome. yeah, my friends nowadays even have figured out. They're like, so your mom, she doesn't she's like, she doesn't <laughs> she doesn't practice. She, she doesn't practice anymore. But yeah, I still go over to my house, my parents house. And I'm like, I'll see friends there. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Oh, just talking to your mom. So <laughs> your mom's yeah. got so awesome. many secrets. She yeah. So no, I had to. But no, growing up, we did. We'd had to be like, mom, stop, stop. Stop counseling us right now. Like, we just need you to be mom. And yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry, honey. Um, oh, that's so funny. So was it a counselor yeah. that helped you discover that shame was the underlying root? Yeah, I feel like it was at the beginning of it. And um, mm-hmm. this is what's so funny. I think this is what I've discovered about shame is uh, it's kind of like an onion. There's multiple layers to it. Um, so, like, I thought I, I could sincerely tell you probably you know like three four years ago i was if you would have asked me had i worked through all the shame attached to the affair i would have said absolutely i I, i'm done and i've done i did a lot of counseling i read a lot of books i felt like i really had moved through it and then all of a sudden i go on this retreat with like five guys to the oregon coast and the purpose of the retreat we really didn't even know but once we got there we said hey here's what we're gonna do we're just gonna spend however much time is needed on each guy like you're just gonna share and whatever you feel like needs to share and then we're going to process it talk through it and it ended up being like six hour chunks we just sit and work with one person and in that all of a sudden i find myself like sobbing like a baby and like exposed like this like new layer of this shame still was there and i was like 
what the heck? And so we did. We we spent time kind of working through it. And I was lucky enough to be surrounded by some amazing men that like let me cry and then let me, you know, be in that moment, but then also ask really good, tough questions and not let me avoid it and run away from it either. Um, and so that was another healing stage of it. And then I started two, three, yeah, kind of all in that same time period. I met this guy uh, from Seattle, Jamie Winship, and he teaches a lot on um, our identity. So he actually comes into like massive corporate organizations like Walt Disney or Ford and helps um, their executive staff go, how do we teaches them to live inside of their identity of who they truly are because they're going to be more productive in that in that environment. And so for him, I met with him and we began this conversation of he simply would ask the question. He's like, what is the lie that you believe about yourself? You know, and there was still this lie. Yeah. And this lie for me, it was a simple fact that because of my, my actions of what I did, I have lost my voice to speak to the world anymore. Like I have nothing better. I have nothing good to say anymore. Because I failed too. Take I, me seriously. I fail. Yeah. I failed too much. I'm a recovered alcoholic. I had an affair with my wife. Like, what do I have to say towards anything, parenting, you know, whatever? And that was the lie I believed. And so then he simply said, "Okay, that's the lie. I want you to now replace it with the truth." And I'm like, "I don't know. What do you mean to replace it with truth? How?" And so we just. He was like, "I just sit. You like just sit quietly and listen for truth because there's truth inside of you, and we all have it. We just have a tendency to be too busy and." distracted to hear it. And so I just would sit and listen and began, and that began a a process of me. Like I do this daily, like without being aware of it, like I'll be interacting with my kids and find that I'm like angrier than I should be. And I'll be like, okay, what is a lie I'm believing right now? You know, it could be like, Hey, I I don't have control of the situation. And then I go, what's the truth about this? And, you know, and then it's just like, it's just kind of an ongoing conversation I have in my head all the time now of replacing lies with truth and learning to hear this like little voice inside of myself that says like, this is the truth. Like this is law. This is truth. You got to stop believing that. That's cool. Cause that's like healing in real time instead of letting it like fester and really eat at you. Yeah. And I find I get to do, I do it with a lot of people. You know, I have like, I had a friend call recently that was struggling through just really anxious and he had to go to the doctor with his, his wife and new baby, the whole COVID situation, the anxiety of it all. And he had so much fear. And so we just simply asked like the question was like, well, what's the lie you believe? And, you know, and he shared the lie and I was like, and then we got to go like, well, where'd the, where'd the root of your anxiety come from? And he was able to pinpoint it like all the way back to like a second grade memory of like, this is the moment I began to feel anxious, you know? Wow. And then we just simply got to go, how do you replace that? You know? And by the time we got yeah. off the phone call, he was, you know, he was, there was just a new sense. It wasn't anything I did. It was just questions that he answered it it's himself. So, um, yeah. So that's that for me, is so important. Yeah. So, I mean, that for me, that's been, that was a lot of where, um, so yeah, shame to me is it's, it's continual layers and, uh, Today, I would probably say, yeah, I feel like I've worked through it. And, you know, who knows? Next week, I might be like, oh, there's more. So I don't <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. But today, today, I feel uh, clear of the shame attached to being an alcoholic, to having an affair. Yeah. And you should be because you're not that person anymore. You know what I mean? Like, that's not yeah. that's not who you are. And I think it was part of. I listened to your most recent podcast that you had, I think, I think it aired Monday um, or earlier this week. 
And um, he was talking about how like a lot of us attach our identities to the things that we've done. And mm-hmm. so yep. then that carries along the shame or the embarrassment or whatever negative feelings um, or positive ones, to be honest, but it, that's not, yeah. not who we are um, because it, you aren't what you did. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. No, but it's hard to, and that's to me that whole like self-acceptance part, like, you know, I didn't like the idea of self, like accepting I was an alcoholic to me almost meant like you were like, accepting it and going to live in it, mm-hmm. you know, and be like, well, mm-hmm. okay, I am, that's it. You know? And so I didn't like this that acceptance label. right? Mm-hmm. versus learning now mm-hmm. that like, I can't move forward if I can't accept where I'm at. Meaning that like, you know, you ha- I, the idea I have to be able to be aware of going, this is the situation I'm currently existing in. And mm-hmm. then I can step forward and go, what, what are the goals I want to see myself at and how to, and then I can start making steps there. But if I can't even accept the fact that like I'm stuck in shame or I'm here, you know, then, you know, how are you going to move from that? So. And I think that it's almost like a shame, like a lens of shame. You know what I mean? When you think about accepting a part of yourself that you might not really want to look at. And if you're looking at it through shame, it's almost like, feels weak it's distorted yeah yep. and it feels like a weakness to say oh i am this um yep. but then when you can humble yourself and and really truly accept it and the shame's kind of lifted then it then it's actually a strength because yeah then you can look at it for what it is and and then take the steps to to move forward yeah absolutely <laughs> what about you guys what was the heart behind starting your guys's podcast and everything that's a college question. Well, yeah, so I started this a few years ago, uh, very similar to you. You kind of go through things and you're trying to understand if there's other people out there like you that are dealing with these things, yep. <laughs> you know, the, the, the addictions, the, the shame, the, the guilt of a lot of things. Um, Insecurity. curious. Yeah, insecurities though. And then I was curious too, just about other people. Yeah. I kind of looked to the left and right of me and there wasn't a lot of um, difference. Everyone around me was very similar to me and I didn't want that for my life. That's not how I mm. saw my life. So I started reaching out to people and doing this. And then that triggered in me, oh my gosh, I haven't dealt with this, 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 and this. So I really took um, a step back and then I realized this was not something that I wanted to do by myself. Yeah, And then I asked Leanne to join me and we've, we've kind of grown it over the last two seasons to really be candid conversations with people to show similar to like what you're saying is that everyone's going through something. And if we can hear that, it makes it less scary for us to have to deal because at the end of the day, we have to do our own like internal work, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but just showing that other people have these incredible stories and have come out of them better. Yeah. I mean, that that's really what it's about for me. That's here. awesome. And that like yeah. <clears throat> mental health is like a process. It's, it's like a daily, it's a practice, like, you know, yep. like working out or eating healthy. It's, you have to do it every day. It's not just like, oh, I went through this and I'm better now. Like, like you no. said, you have to constantly ask yourself the questions and that's, it's, that's mental health, that's healing. And, and I think just like, if someone were to listen to, to you say that and hear that nugget and then they take that and they run with it, like then then we're doing what we came here to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. No, I've, I, I read this book. 
I'm like staring at my bookshelf. What was it? I think it's called the, I don't know where it is, The Compound Effect. Uh, it's a business book though. Like it's fully focused on business. But for me, the concept, which is such a very simple concept, like when we invest money in let it sit over time, it compounds and builds on itself, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't like, so if like you're really young, you could invest small amount by the time you're old, it's worth a ton. So like his whole concept of the book is like, that's how life is. Like I, and I've always been such an all or nothing, like I'm all in or not. And like, then all of a sudden this, like for me, this idea of like mental health is really super small, almost unnoticeable steps for me on a daily that compound over time that get me to where I want to be, you know? And so like, it's not this big, like I'm going to do It's like, okay. Like I did, I like one, one year I signed up for Ironman and didn't know how to swim or I didn't even have a bike. Um, so that was my all or nothing mentality. Yeah. But so That's don't normally it's like, I, actually, I actually, yeah, that was a big all. I actually called the company like after signing up being like, can I get my money back? And they're like, no, and I was like, that would be me. Oh, I they're did. Like, no refunds. This is your punishment. Yeah. And it's like 600 some dollars. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll find a bicycle, you know? I'm a professional athlete now. Yeah. yeah, but I was at that point able to take it in really small steps. Like I could only run probably three miles at that point um, at a time. And so then I had to like begin to go like, how do I compound really small steps to get to the point when race day comes, I can actually finish the race. Uh, mm. You know, but that's, I mean, that's just kind of how I think mental health is. That's like, what can I choose to do today? Like that isn't going to be life altering, changing, but it will have enough impact that it's going to change a little bit for me tomorrow and a little bit more the next day and a little, you know, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I have to put you on the spot. Did you do the Ironman? I did. You yes. did it. Did you get the I tattoo? I did it. I did not get a tattoo. I figured like the only way I was going to get a tattoo was like, if I like finish first, you yeah. know, like <laughs> I just like, um, no, but I did. I did the Ironman. Uh, I'll probably, I would like to do one again. I, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed the as long as I could train with friends. Yeah. Um, it's it's fun. So did you, you know? have like a group that you trained with? That's yeah. Like, that's a, and every day you yeah, have to train. Yeah. With. So it was like my my brother in law and two other friends. One of them one of them had probably done like seven other Ironmans prior. Mm -hmm. Um, and then one of our buddies was a doctor, and so he was like, "Hey, here's your guy," and he's an Ironman athlete too. So he's like, "Here's your guys' training program," you know, and. Uh, I probably trained the least out of everybody <laughs> and I beat all my friends did on the you? race day. I felt really good about it. <laughs> like should. I did, like I ran past my brother-in-law, like, and he's like fully yeah. like, you yeah. know, I'm like, yes, I got you. And so, um, that's all I wanted was just to, you, like, just trip to beat him. on the way past. <laughs> yeah. I was, so I was content as long as I passed him. Oh, so, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And that is, that's why I, so I'm a personal trainer and that's, I love all the kind of crossovers between just physical health and mental health. It really is. It's, it's the same process, um, yeah. but people build it up in their minds is like, you know, I haven't done anything and I, in a year and I eat like crap. And so the thought of getting in shape seems like this huge, like mountain to climb, but it really is. It's just every day, just do something. And yeah. like, it's like a graph. Like if you do nothing, you stay here. But like, if you do something small over time, you're going to be in a totally different place a year from now. Um, yeah, you know, that's why I love I love that you did the Iron Man. It's hard though. I I think sometimes people get like that whole like that with the the big picture thing almost put the block to it. You know, it's it like does. how do we how do we help shift like 
our own personal mind to not get so stuck on the like, oh, that's such a daunting big thing to like, just be able to take it like, I'm going to go for a 20 minute walk today, Mm -hmm. you know, or I'm like, my new thing has been hot yoga. That's what I've been doing. I'm terrible at yoga. (laughs) I am so not flexible. Like I, I'm the guy that like, when they're like, you know, do child pose, I'm like, oh, like this is painful (laughs) and it's supposed to be a relaxing pose. And I'm like, um, and so I'm, I'm trying to just be like, okay, someday I'll be like the flexible person next to me, mm-hmm. but like, I'm not there right now. And so I just got to keep showing up and it's painful some days. And so is that kind of, do you see that in your coaching that you're having to kind of talk people out of that big picture mentality and break it down a lot more? Well, I think when it comes to alcoholism, it's such a, like, if you have tried to get sober and failed a few times, like if you're like, even, even if you never even verbalized it to anybody else in the world and you just said, I'm going to stop drinking for this little bit of time. And then you, you didn't, you, I think there becomes this like daunting inside of yourself. Like I can't do it. I'm, I, I tried, I failed. I tried, I failed. Or if you've gone to like multiple treatment centers or you know you've showed up to a numerous times and you just keep relapsing i think people get stuck in this like the daunting like i can't drink for the rest of my life you know thought and i can't do it because there's just no way um so yeah i think I, i work i mean the beautiful thing about i think recovery that they do get really well is this idea that like everything talks about it's one day at a time Mm -hmm. like and I love that concept because to me, like, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow, you know, I'm just not. Um, and so I've embraced that across the board in my life. Like, if I live in my past, I'll get full of shame and, and guilt and regret. If I live in the future, I'll probably begin to get anxious and deal with anxiety. But if I live like right here, like the fact like right now, all I have is you guys, like, this is it. Like, I, I don't Sorry. like even two. <laughs> yeah, no, this is awesome, though. Like two hours to I, instead, I could be sitting here trying to have a conversation with you guys thinking about what I have in two hours, yeah. you know, yeah. but I'm not there yet. So why think about it? Um, yeah. You know, and so, yeah. What's your practice been like to get in that mindset? Because that's Good not question. something that comes easy. Mm, ice baths. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Oh, you're one of those. I am. I'm reading Wim yeah. Hof's book right now, the Wim Hof Method, and literally. I have totally I one. Loved you people. I'm trying. Oh, sorry. This it's is off. the universe. Uh, I, okay. I, I know. I live in Hawaii where I'm hot all the time. If I live yeah. somewhere cold and someone's like get in the ice bath, I'd be like hell no. Like <laughs> yeah. the fact yeah, that yeah. I'm like usually like at a pretty hot temperature, like the idea sounds nice. No, I I, I did like probably a couple months ago. I, I caved too. I was like, all right, I'm going to try this ice bath egg. Like, um, cause I have body aches and pains. I've broken too many bones. Yeah. And so, um, I was like, ah, oh, maybe it'll help. Um, so I got mm-hmm. a, fr- I'm like one of those guys, I bought a freezer, like one of those like big chest freezers and I filled it up with water. And then I f- oh figured out if you regulate it, like from my, where it's at at my house, if I keep it plugged in two hours a day, it'll hold it right around 40 degrees. If you oh leave God. it in too long, it, it'll freeze over and then you try to get in and it's frozen. Um, but it's great. So I, just thinking about it, I'm like stressing out. <laughs> the freezer is the best way though, because like if you told me I had to like, like, oh, uh, you got to go get ice and you got to fill it up yeah. and you got to fill a buck. I'm like, I wouldn't do it. Too many obstacles. Fact, yeah. No, too many obstacles. But now, Maybe do it once. Yeah. yeah. But now it's like, it's there every day. I come home, I have like an outdoor shower, a shower outside. Um, and then I get in the ice bath for 10 minutes or so, but honestly, that's the place I'm terrible at meditation, 
but there, like if if I can't get my mind to be focused in that present moment, I only can last in the ice bath for maybe like a minute. But if I can be present and aware of like how my body feels, what my breathing's doing, you know, I can last a really long time. And so, so I, but honestly, I think so that's one, but two, Mm -hmm. in my recovery, I think they taught this a lot, Um, but learn, you can practice being mindful. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for me, like one of the tasks, they said, find a task that you pretty much are going to guarantee do every single day and, and choose that one task to be mindful at. And so for me, it's washing dishes. I guarantee every day I'm going to wash some dishes, especially with five children. So like, and it takes more than just like a dish, you know, it's like a sink. Yeah. So I have chosen every day when I do dishes, nothing else exists, but the dishes. So I try to be aware of how the soap smells, how the water feels on my hands, how the dishes are. And it's like the most lame task in the world, but if I can be present and learn to really be mindful of that in that, then it's easier in other parts of like, then it's easier when I get to hang out and talk with people or other stuff. But like, so that would be my, that's my like suggestion to people is like pick something and mm-hmm. choose to say for this week, I'm going to be mindful every time I do this, I'm not going to, you know, be distracted by music or something else. I'm not going to have a part, you know, I'm not going to do all these other things. I'm just going to be present with this task and then do that with that task. And at the end of the week, evaluate, like, how was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and then, over into other areas yeah, and, then, and then try a different task, you know, and then slowly see if you can get to the space where like, there's no way we're all going to be perfectly present and mindful in everything we do. You know, it's just not right. going to happen, but like, can we do it? better than we are today so always room for improvement yeah yeah in everything has washing dishes become more enjoyable through trying to do that or is it just a practice for you some days yeah some days some (laughs) some days i like i find joy in it and i'm present with it other days i still have a chip on my shoulder and i'm bitter about like there's so many dishes you know i didn't make these dishes like you know like i'm human you know to the point where i'm like um, and I'm slowly trying to get my kids to do the dishes. Yeah, let's put these kids to work. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> that's, they need to. That's, I'm finally at that phase of my <laughs> parenting journey, and it's awesome. My 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 12 year old, he is like, he's awesome. I mean, like he does like probably two loads of laundry every day. Wow. At our house. Wow. He's just like without being asked, like cleans up the dog poop. Like I don't think I've cleaned dog poop once. Like he's just one of those kids <laughs> where awesome. you don't have to ask him. I'm like. I need to get all all my other kids to be like him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's really listen good. to brother. I yeah, know. I love that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, what has being a foster parent taught you? Like, I think that's such an amazing oh. thing that you're doing. Uh, yeah. So we, I mean, we've been foster parents for ten years now. Um, so we've had kids with us for up to two years, and then they go. Um, how hard and is that? We, it's it's hard. Um. So, you know, it's hard. For, so I kind of came into the foster system thinking we would we would adopt a kid maybe through the system. Um, and then we we realized that we really wanted to be actually advocate more for the parents, you know, as far as like my heart shifted towards them, especially after I think I struggled through like my own addiction issues. Uh, all of a sudden, for me, I started seeing these parents with so much more compassion being like, I could not imagine losing your kids, you know, because you can't get over a 
an addiction or whatever it is that you're facing. Um, so now we root for the parents a lot more than we probably used to. Like I, like right now we got two kids, um, that came to us last week and I'm rooting, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for parents to be like, man, I hope this is the wake up call for them that they all of a sudden go, we need to get our life back together. Um, so like my wife and I, we started a nonprofit like two years ago called village of hope. And it basically comes alongside and supports the foster system. So like we have a mentor program that has mentor connections with all the foster kids on Maui. And we do all these different stuff to kind of support the foster system. Cause it's kind of a, it's a, it's a system that doesn't have the resources it needs to say, you know? Okay. Um, but yeah, for me, us personally, it's really hard. Um, it disrupts my, it disrupts our life significantly and my, my kid's life and my life, my wife's life. Like, um, you know, like we just got a call for these guys a week ago and you get a call and you say yes or no. And then once like in an hour, they drop these kids off to you. Um, with nothing like we, these ones, like the one-year-old was in a diaper. That's all we had. Um, and they were, they were shell shocked and fearful. They wouldn't let us even like hold them. Like, you know, they were just Mm -hmm. completely removed. Um, but it disrupts like my, my, my kids, you know, the first few days they act out, you know, because they're like, where's the attention going? Do I get attention from mom and dad now? Is it, you know, and, um, and then when, when we have kids that have been with us for a long time and then they go home, um, we've learned as a family to like mourn it together, like mourn the loss, sure. like be okay mourning, be okay being sad, be okay having big feelings. You know, I, we always teach my, our kids like, it's okay to have big feelings. It's like, then we choose what do we do with those big feelings? Um, so yeah, I, I personally, I don't think it's for every family. Uh, I love it for my family. My, my kids have such a compassion for other kids and, um, we have learned to cry together when a kid leaves and be sad and sit in that. Like we'll have, you know, and then we've learned to embrace help. Um, so -hmm. when we bring other kids on, like we reach out to like community and say, Hey, we got two more kids and people bring us meals that first week. And they, um, you know, we have, I have a friend that's like a professional cook that contacted us yesterday. She's like, Hey, so I want to just come to your house once a week and make, and she's like this like amazing nutritionalist cook, like just off the charts. Like it's, a, and she's like, I want to come once a week and just cook at your house. And then I'll make enough for like, it'll last like at least, you know, two dinners. And just, I'm just going to do that once a week and other people in the community are going to, and I'm like, okay. Like, you're like, will you do the dishes? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm all, I'm all, yeah. Will you do the dishes? Why, why is it at my house? You know? Uh, that's the that's thing you amazing. think of come on um no so it's it, i it is really hard to be a foster parent at times you know and i think the biggest question people ask is like well how can you love these kids like and then just let them go and i'm like that comes back to that mindfulness conversation like i'm or like being present like i'm not guaranteed my kids are going to be alive tomorrow i really hope they are um and i don't know how long i'm going to have these kids that showed up last week we may have them for a month or we may have them for like three years i don't know um, but what I do know is I could choose to love them today, mm-hmm. you know, just as much as I love my kids. Um, cause I think we try, we hold back love out of fear of getting hurt. For sure. Um, mm-hmm. and that sucks. That's just a, not a fun place to live. So like, let's just love unconditionally. Um, Bob Goff wrote a great book called love does. I love this guy. Cause all his whole concept is just like, man, just look for opportunities, create margin in your day to love. Well, to love people, love. and watch what life happens like 
it changes, you know? And so, so for us, we chose as our family is, you know, the foster system is a way that we can choose to love, um, and teach our kids to, and yeah, but it's not, I mean, yeah, we live in a little house. And so Maybe adding I should ask on a week where you're getting like two hours of sleep a night. Yeah, I'm all, it's <laughs> we'll terrible. No. This is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> is there, is there regrets with choosing to do this or, or no? Does it just go back to that daily love of what I can give these people in this moment? Yeah, I've, I've never, I'm trying to think back of all the foster kids we've had. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever regretted saying yes to taking a kid. Uh, I have had moments, absolutely, where I'm going, I don't want to do this today. Yeah, that's like, human. I'm done. Sure. You know, because like, even like this morning, I was sitting, like, I try to like get up every morning and spend time before the kids wake up. So that's why you're like, wow, you're productive already this morning. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I get up five. Um, <laughs> Just to try to get a little bit of time. But like, I was thinking, I have to do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But I was thinking this morning, I was like, I was like, okay, if I'm going to choose to be like aware of my situation right now, my situation and, and like not avoiding it, but aware of it, like my situation right now is that like, I'm really missing my connection time with my wife, like mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, we are lacking in it since these kids have gotten here. And I have a little bit of resentment inside of me about it. Um, and because oh, yeah. we're both stretching, trying to take care of this, and we haven't figured out a rhythm with five kids. Um, and so that's where I am at today. And so I was able to be like, sit with that and wrote that out. And I wasn't even aware of it till I like started writing. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there's some resentment here. And it's at these foster kids that don't deserve it. Um, and it's, yeah. you know, and... But I, now that I see it today, at least I can see it and go, what can I do? How, how, can, I, how can I create some connection time with my wife? Because that's what I'm missing the most is like um, going on a date, you know, getting to just spend like we try really hard at the when I come home from work at, at the end of a day to take 10 minutes. Literally, it's only 10 minutes in our bedroom without any kids just to like mm -hmm. and we simply ask the, the question of each other, like, give me your three uh, feelings you're at today. And it's like, I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling exhausted or I'm feeling really happy. Like whatever it is, like, what are your feelings? And we try to do that. And then we can like kind of step into the rest of the day with together, but we haven't been able to do that, you know? So then I walk home and I jump into this chaos and I don't know what's going on. And I don't know her feelings. She doesn't know mine. And then we go to bed because we're exhausted. So that's where I'm at. You're um, just catching up. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I'm, I'm behind the ball on it. Um, but I, st I still, I still would sign up for it. That's the thing. You know, I, st I still, even with all that said, it just means I have to stretch myself and go, how do I be aware of it and make time for connection? And even just talking to you guys about it right now, I'm like, oh, I should have a conversation with my wife. Yeah, I'm like, I should have a conversation about this. That'd be good. Yeah. So. What, what like a lesson in adapting though? Like how else are you going to get thrown into situations like that where you have to like literally take care of two humans that are strangers and you know nothing about and you're doing yeah. that on a you know on a loop i just think that's amazing yeah and we take breaks though like we we are aware kind of of our family sometimes and there's been definitely times where like we're going to say no to taking any kids right now and also call us and be like, hey, can we want this kid? And we're like, it's really hard to say no, but you gotta be like, no, um, we just, no, yeah, you know? And so we, we, we right now. yeah, we had about a year till these kids popped in. Um, 
with and the that's one that's a huge adjustment to go back to yeah and, and uh but i have we always have people i feel like in our house like we have a okay. guest cottage um and the, the last year there was someone that was going through kind of a marital situation separation so he they he's been living in the cottage he's got three kids and so his kids are you know so like my house is like a yeah. door of human beings um so it didn't feel that different but the one foster that we had prior was he was seven he's 16 years old so now you know we just got four and one year olds and we just had a 16 year old um and so yeah the the teenage one well i was like "Uh, i don't know what to do with you Um, (laughs) but there was a there was there was a there was a part of me that was like i don't know what to do with you but i'm just like he he wasn't enrolled in school so i was just like okay you can just hang out with me every day and like i just (laughs) literally was like you're just gonna go everywhere i go and uh Cause that was when I, he showed up that night, we sat out on the deck and I said, what do you need from me? Like you've ran away from like five foster homes. You got kicked out of a boy's home. Like you're not doing well. Like, what do you need? You know? And his one answer was like, I just need your attention. Oh, and I was like, that's really, pro- that's profound for a 16 year old yeah, to say. And that. I was like, yeah. And I was like, I could do that. Like, you're just going to hang out every day with me basically. and i guarantee you you were one of the first people to just ask him what he needed yeah it was amazing and like i was he thought he had that answer he was ready yeah, yeah and we were, i was doing a bunch of construction at the time so i was like oh you're gonna learn how to like put flooring down and do trim and he loved it you know because he was so proud of accomplishing something like he'd never done before you know and so mm-hmm. um yeah it's really hard and really um these kids and i i just my heart breaks for um i mean there's like over they say there's about half a million foster kids on in the united states um you know and these kids are you know they're coming from i mean we had a little girl that showed up at our doors with a skull fracture and a broken collarbone and she was like three weeks old or something you know and the caseworkers didn't even tell us right like uh, here's a kid and i was like she won't stop crying like oh she's got a skull fracture and we're like we should have known that, right? Like, yeah, oh my uh, God. yeah. But so these kids have been through the ringer, you know, and so I think that gives me a little bit more grace and compassion. Of course, yeah. But, I love that you do that. Um, the ten minutes with your wife about what are you feeling? I. Uh, that's I her idea. It was her idea. <laughs> Which, it was a, the counselor's idea to, to do it, and then it was hers to add in the feeling part. So I have nothing to claim to it. Yeah, I just show, I just, <laughs> you just show up. Yeah. My my goal, my my deal is, I text her before I come home, saying, "Hey, I'm about to come home," so it helps create her to have space to be like, "Okay, that means we're going to meet." So that's, mm-hmm. that's the only part I get in it. So yeah, <laughs> but yes, it is a cool thing. She, yeah, it's not me though. I uh, I was listening to a, I think it was Tom Billiou and his wife. Um, they do a, they call it their selfish desire. So like if they're going into a weekend, they'll be like, okay, what is your selfish desire for this weekend? If you could do anything, Mm. time didn't matter. Kids weren't a a factor. Like what would it be? And, and, you know, he might say like, I want to play video games for an hour and she might want to go to the mall and have him come with her. And like, so it's a way to like, I love that because it helps you like like prioritize the other person's, you know, wants and, and make sure you can compromise at the same time. I thought that was really cool. Marriage is just communication. You know, it's like mm-hmm. learning to, and yeah, I mean, we've been married 15 years, but we've gone through kind of hell and back in our marriage and done a lot of work, which has been awesome to like see where we're at now. But like marriage is just like learning to like communicate your desires and needs. Like you said, like, you know, 
my wife's a hundred percent supporter. If I come home someday and be like, I'm really exhausted. I just want to go watch a, a Netflix show. Like, is that okay? You know, not even that okay. Just to communicate. That's what I, that's what I need. Yeah. Um, that's what I need right now. Yeah. Cause I'm really bad at self-care personally. Like I constantly give, 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 give. And then I just am like, I got nothing left. Yeah. Um, so she knows that. So she's constantly like, Hey, what are you doing? Like we do a calendar every Sunday night. We sit down after the kids are in bed and we kind of map the calendar week out. And like in that, she'll always catch me and be like, there's nothing in here for yourself. Like, where's your self-care? Like, when are you going surfing? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't have have time this week. And she's like, well, make time, like do something else. Like, you know, so she's awesome in that. But like, you know, I think it is. It's that communicating, supporting each other, you know, and going, this is what I need. And then trying to figure out how to make it work together. Do you think you not addressing that earlier on in your life led to some of the the issues that you face? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think like, I think that's a constant for me of self-care. And so even like funny little things like ice bath is self-care to me because it takes 10 minutes of my time to like do it. And I'm aware of days that like I'll run like three, four days in a row without doing it. And I'm like, Hmm, I'm not taking time for myself, you know? And so, um, yeah, self-care is crucial. And like, I try to, I try to like, we live, you know, two blocks from the beach. So like at the end of the day, I try to stop at the beach in five minutes, stand in the water and just be present there and be like, okay, shift your mindset, you know, change gears so I can come home and be like a good husband and a dad, you know? Yeah, be there now. Yeah, yeah it's like, like it's almost like, yeah, you. it's like you're shifting, like, okay, shift, you know, and... uh um, but yeah, I'm not good at it though. That's something I have to really work hard on is creating self-care. Well, good thing you're in Maui. Cause if you can't be present on a beach in Maui, then I, I got nothing for you. <laughs> I know. Where, where is home for you guys? Where are you guys at? So I'm in Texas. I'm in Dallas. Okay. Yeah. And I, I was in Dallas. Um, I just moved recently with my husband's, um, job. So we are in a tiny, 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 small town in Alabama. So it's okay. like culture shock for me, but it's good. <laughs> Nice. How has it been for you? I know you said when at the end of your work day, have you, do you still work in an office right now or are you working from home with, with the current situation? Um, so I, I don't know what I do. Um, <laughs> I, day, yeah, <laughs> so I? <laughs> I do, you know, so like braving the journey does its coaching and, um, but I am not full capacity on my coaching right now. This coaching is a new bit. So like podcasting coaching, um, so if I'm not doing that or the nonprofit working with that, which my wife does way more of it than I do, um, uh, I build furniture and do construction. Oh, nice. Um, so like, right. Yeah. So like right now I'm building like four pieces of furniture for a chiropractor and some other stuff. So, yeah. So, I mean, I kind of, um, and then I do still, I, I was a wedding photographer for like 10 years. And so I still pick up a wedding or two every once in a while. Um, COVID shut that down over here quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, work is usually away from the house, uh, but some days it's not. Like right now where I'm sitting talking to you guys, it's, I have like a little outside office space. Um, usually you would see like kids plaster their faces to the glass yeah. out there. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's just, every day kind of varies, but, and that's kind of a big part of us mapping our week out, you yeah. know, the calendar wise, yeah. because, you know, I'm not the nine to five. I've never, I don't think I've ever had a normal job nine to five, you know? So it's kind of this like 
we can work our schedules together, but it's also helpful for my wife to be aware of like, what days are you in the office here? Cause that it changes the dynamics of the house and what days aren't you? And, um, so yeah. It's so nice too, to have different passions, you know, and yeah. we were talking, Cal and I were, we, we were reading kind of a book called design your life. Um, okay. and so it talks about how people, they have all these different interests, but they're doing one thing. And maybe it's one thing that's not even their interest, but they keep like fantasizing about, Oh, my life would look so different if maybe I did this one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but really when you can, you can do both and you can have a side hustle and you can maybe eventually leave your nine to five and, and do two or three other things like you're doing now. It like you yeah. have a creative outlet and you're helping people and you're fostering kids. Like that's got to give you so much like, self-worth and so many reasons to wake up in the morning yeah and i i get i think i get bored doing the same thing over and over yeah. you know and so i was even fun hearing your guys's goals i was listening to on your instagram and uh i think both of you guys mentioned painting you know and i used yeah. to paint mm-hmm. a lot um and it's been years since i since i used to because i i had like an actual gallery space that i got a paint out of and yeah. it was awesome um, oh, incredible. Yeah, where like you could walk in and just make a chaotic mess of paints and it was beautiful. And you could walk away when you were done. So I haven't had that space anymore. Um, but yeah, I realized I was like, I always try to like everything I want to do, I want to like monetize it and make it like be part of my business or life. Cal. And like my wife's really good at telling my wife's really good at like, telling me. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> but then like my wife always is like, you know, you don't have to make money to everything you do. Like sometimes you could just do things because it's just fun to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Look, yeah. Interesting concept. Like I'm I'm a super I'm a super weird guy. Like I I like started macrame. Like I don't even know that's what oh, like I I do. Yeah, I love it. It's like peaceful. I was like, I was like, we were like the buddies in high school that like crocheted beanies. And so yeah. Crochet Kids is a company that like came out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And like, so like, to me, all of a sudden macrame was like crocheting again, where I was like, I can like at the end of the day, like sit there and be like tying, tying rope together. And I'm like, <laughs> it's really like awesome. It's like mindless. And but I'm not going to sell like when I started doing it, I was like, oh, I could do this at a farmer's market. And then I was like, no, like, stop. Like, those just... things are like 150 bucks on Etsy. So yeah, you could that's what, sell them. That's where, my, that's where my mind went. But then I was like, my wife's like, just can't you just do it? Because it's no, nice. No, yeah, yeah. Just tie some knots and call it a day, yeah. right? So it's just, yeah. So I'm learning there's just certain things that you don't have to make money at. You can just do it because it's enjoyable. Can I ask you though where you get like your supplies? Because I am very interested in DIY DIY macrame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you say we seek an opportunity. Yes. Uh, Amazon. Okay. You know, I'm sad, I'm sad to say. Okay. Um. Yeah. Whole, living on an island, like it's hard to get certain yeah, supplies. That's so true. Uh. No. So I, mean, I did. I I YouTube videos of like little teenage kids, you know, making macrames. These, you know, and I'd be like, oh, like the guy sitting there figuring it out. Great my daughters think it's my daughters think it's cool. So they're yeah. they're figuring it out. Say, that makes me like you even more. Yeah. I think yeah. that's great. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Just the guy in my ice bath with my macrame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you gotten any of the kids to try the ice bath? Oh, they love it. Really? Yeah. Oh, my seven-year-old daughter, Capri, she um she gets really big emotions. And like, so like, no joke, she like, you'll just see it coming on where she's ready to like rage. Like, mm-hmm. and I'll just look at her and be like, ice bath. And she'll be like, <laughs> 
okay but she'll like run out out of the house and then all of a sudden i'll see her just sitting there like shaking it yeah and then she, she, she comes she comes out and she's just like i'm better dad Aww. i'm like okay good like so yeah she loves it and then and then my my son they just love to like him and his buddies see how cold they can make it and see, see how long they could last and yeah. yeah yeah their parents Always are like is this, this is good for them yeah. i'm like i don't know like, yeah they're at home they might lose a toe or something no yeah big deal. so yeah it's a contest for the contest for those guys of course but. oh that's so funny i want to go back to a little bit about what you're talking about in the very beginning um with yeah, acceptance we, we digressed to macrame <laughs> we yeah. do no that's no that's so good we got to learn something new about you okay um what when you came on, you were you were saying that on your mind today was a lot about acceptance, and you and you talked a little bit about things with with where you and your wife are at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how has the acceptance of that played into your relationship with her, with your kid, just across the board? Yeah. Okay. So here, coming to acceptance. Here, I I read this this morning. That's kind of when I was thinking about it, probably. Yeah. Um, it, let's see. There's two two quotes I actually heard that I really like. Um, it says one says, "You can never be uh, uh other than who you are until you're willing to embrace the reality of who you are. Only then can you truly become your your most deeply called who you're most deeply called to be." And the other one said, "Self acceptance always precedes genuine self surrender and self transformation." So both of those kind of were for me like that like. Self acceptance is step one. So, like, like your question of like, today I'm self, I, I'm able to accept the fact that the situation I'm in with my wife, with foster kids, I'm not creating and getting enough time with her, right? So that's that's yeah. the acceptance piece to it. Like, I accept that. Um, now I'm aware of it. So then comes the question, like, what do I do about it? And I can't change it overnight. I'm not going to call and make the foster kids go home. Um, the one one-year-old still has a cold. He's probably going to have a cold for the next couple of days. It's not going to go away. So like I've accepted all of that. And then I guess it, for me, it comes down to like, what can I do about it? It means that like, I, one thing I have total control over is my attitude. So like I can choose a different attitude. I can choose to say, this is a situation. I'm going to have a different attitude about it. And I'm aware of it. So I'm going to choose an attitude of joy and gratefulness and find the gratitude in, in what's going on today. Um, but then my other part is like, I can take the small little compounding steps of going, maybe I don't get 10 minutes with my wife today on the check-in on the feelings, but maybe I can get five, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or maybe we could choose not to watch a show once all the kids go to bed and create time to connect. Like I, I can come up with solutions, but I wasn't able to come up with a solution unless I was actually aware of the situation, I guess. Right. And that to me is like, that's it. Like that's with my, such a huge lesson. Wow. With my alcoholism, like I was not willing to accept the fact I was an alcoholic. So if I wasn't going to accept it, then I wasn't going to do anything about it. Right. I was just going to sit in denial and let it keep building and building and building versus being like, I was able to finally go, wow. Okay. I'm an alcoholic. That doesn't define me. It's not who I am. It's not my identity, but it is something I struggle with. So now I can choose to go, I'm aware of it. And what can I do about it? What works for me? What doesn't, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So I, honestly, like to me, that whole like self-acceptance always precedes genuine self-surrender and then self-transformation. Mm-hmm. We, I think, 
like even when I was listening to your guys' like dreams and stuff, I was like, oh yeah, like because I do the same. Like at the beginning of the year, we kind of map out this as a family. This we take these questions of like reflecting on the year before and then looking to the year ahead, going, where do we want to be? What do we want to become? What you know, all these different parts and there's like parts for the kids to be involved in and everything. Uh, but like to me, sometimes I put my weight too much on the like these are my goals versus like who do I want to be? Like, that's it. Like if my goals don't match who I want to be. So like I constantly, I have it written out this, like when I die, I want my kids to say this about me at my funeral. I want my wife to say this about me. I want my coworkers to say this about me. And I have every person in my life, what I want them to say when I, when they're at my funeral. And so then all of a sudden I can come back to this original question of it's not goals, but it's like, am I going to live today? That's going to help me get to that. Mm -hmm. The impact. The impact at that at the end of the day. See, like, like we don't sign up. I don't sign up to be a foster parent. I think just because, like, oh, this is really fun. It's sometimes hard. Sometimes. <laughs> but, but at the sometimes end of the day, if I, yeah, it's not that hard when I go to work and my wife has all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but like at the end of the day, I want, I want to. If if part of like on my thing, it says at my funeral, I want to say that I had an impact in the community and society and like I loved well, then like I can look at today and go, OK, I can I can choose that today. Mm -hmm. um, I think I got off on a long rant, but acceptance is crucial no, to, to move yeah. forward. I feel like to anything like I need to accept where I'm at and then I also need to know who I want to be. But if we don't know that, then you're just going to accept where you're at and stay there. Yeah. You know, so it yeah, takes both. It's so, just your situation. That's dangerous. Yeah, with, that's even no. more dangerous, I think. Yeah, with my clients, that's one of the first exercises. I'm like, I want you guys to write out your funeral, like what each person is going to say at your funeral, like write it out. And that's kind of where a starting point. And then we can simply like, it's basically like, you know, taking that and going, okay, how do we live? What do we need to change in your life today so that they'll say that? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. You know, and that's, it's a really easy exercise, but it works really well where all of a sudden you can look at it and go, I want my kids to say that I was, I had time for them, that I, I had, I was fun. I was out, you know, I would took them on adventures. If I want that to be true, then like I look at my calendar on Sunday nights and I go, do I have time for them this week? Are we going on an adventure this week? You know, and if not, then I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. So. You're not living what you, what you want to do. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. Um, I do have a few questions regarding your um, background with the church and how that's kind of shaped who you are. Yeah. Um, I struggle in that area big yeah. time. Um, what, I think what, when you say that, talk to me, what, what do you, I want to hear, I want to hear your struggle. Like what is it, when you say I struggle, does that mean? <laughs> question back <laughs> no come on I just, no mind. like just what what do you mean what do you mean when you say you struggle because that can mean a lot of different things yeah no no, no. I, I guess with the um when I look back at my relationship within church I, I grew up in the catholic church I went to catholic school for a long long period of time um I saw a lot of people in positions of power pretending to be one way within the church and living another way outside of it. Yep. But we don't talk about that. I figured, I figured that was your struggle. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's, it's not yeah. a unique case by any means. No, no. How did that play in with like, you, you've talked about your, um, your marriage 
in, in you stepping out on your marriage. You've talked about your, your alcoholism and things. And those are all things that the church, you know, yeah. not about it. Right. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, so how, how did you find acceptance within that? Or did you need to totally step away from the church in order to deal with those things? Or did you do your healing within the church? And, and I have so many questions on that, but I don't even know where to start. Uh, um, okay. So I, I'm a, like, I believe in Jesus. So I guess that would be like a starting point. Because I think that when you say the church can mean a lot of different things. Um, I hate, I don't like religion. Um, what I mean by that is I think religion is a, is, is a, um, a thing that has been developed by man. and we put too much emphasis and focus on the religion than we do a relationship piece. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's kind of where I stand. Um, but so for me, the affair happened. Um, I told my wife, she's packs up our newborn and leaves to my parents' house. I call my mom and I say, Hey, this is what happened. My wife's on the way. Take care of her, please. Uh, we'll talk later. <laughs> and, and then I call one of the elders of the church. So that was my next, my, my next call. Um, and he showed up to my house and he laid with me in my bed and let, and just held me as I cried all night. Um, and that to me was the, probably the most profound thing he could have done. He didn't try to solve anything. He didn't try to fix anything. He just was there. Um, you know, and it's still in the process. I was asked to leave the church and step down and all this stuff. And I kind of had some resentment toward church, but this person, he's still one of, he's still a close friend of mine, you know? And, uh, um, so I just, I don't know. I have this belief that like, I, I get really angry at the church because the church puts off this idea that we have to have all our shit together and then mm. show up. And that's completely backwards. Like, it should be the safest place to show up and be like, I'm an alcoholic. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm angry at my children. I lash out. I am struggling with pornography, whatever it is, right? That should be the place we should be able to show up and say like, help. And it's not, it's the place we hide it from the most. And so that to me is probably the thing I hate the most about, about it. Uh, so, I mean, but I, at the same time, the same breath, I'm involved in, our local community that we have here um, is called Hope Chapel, and I'm involved because for me personally, I had two options was like be angry about that and walk away from it or choose to stay in it. And like, I believe like at the core of my identity, like who I am is like someone that's like a, a cultural architect. I like to help shift culture. So whether that's like us starting the nonprofit in the foster system and helping change the culture of the foster system or whatever it is. So if that's really my identity, that means I got to hang out in the spot that I want to see shift and change happen and be the person that makes a lot of noise. And so, but yeah, like ever since the affair, I've never been asked to speak at a church again. Like How sad nobody's that asked me. I would be so jaded because I feel like you probably have more to offer now than you probably did then. Oh, way more, way more. Um, but yeah, I've never been asked. Uh, and I, I've been asked to do funerals, which is <laughs> sad. Like, I'm like, Gee, oh, well, for, first day, I'm like, oh, cool, I do funerals. Uh, that's a sad thing. They're sad gone. Story. They don't mind. He can talk at no, this but, one. Yeah, I, yeah. They don't care what you say. Uh, but no, you know, and I, I think probably some of that has to do with the fact that I did. I, you know, I had an affair and that's, 
and it's not acceptable it's not you know but it's also the same time like i've I've healed i've healed through it i've been forgiven i've my wife's forgiven me um it's part of the process so i don't know if that answers your question like i i just yeah i was just curious i i just am always so with with someone who's so involved in the church and then has a hiccup or whatever you want to call it yeah. How you go back and navigate that. And if you're even allowed to just that, that I, whole dynamic fascinates I me. wanted to run away from it. I mean, like mm-hmm. I, did, I did. And it, like once my, oh, this was the crazy part. So like I, I was living in, we were in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho at the time, small, pretty small town. Um, and I was that like up and coming young pastor. Meaning that there was like newspaper articles about me, like, oh, look at this church, what they're doing, right? And then all of a sudden I have an affair and the whole town knows my business. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, to the point. And so when my wife and I got back together, um, everyone had an opinion about it, yeah. even to her. Right. Like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be back with him. Like, you, you know, so everyone had an opinion. So like, as soon as my wife and I were back together, we were like, we want to move. We want out of this town. Um, but we... In, in our hearts, we felt like we weren't supposed to leave. Like we just, we didn't. And so we stayed for, gosh, like at least four years after. Um, wow. And I think I would have been running away from it if I had left at the beginning. Instead, we chose to stay and we learned how to be who we are in the, the, like, in the fact of what everyone else in the world was saying about us. And so we learned how to be married. And then one day I came home and I was like, I think we're free to go. And... <laughs> My wife's like, I think so. And three weeks later, we we were gone and we moved to Maui. Uh, wow, good choice. Yeah, right. <laughs> and my whole, cry for my I know. My, and my family followed, which is awesome. So like my, oh. you know, like my sister and brother-in-law and their kids and my parents, my wife's parents are all out here now. Well, and but, I just fantastic. Yeah. I don't see how there's any, like when you talk about the expectation of perfection and then the judgment that comes along with when there is a, a mistake, whether it's big or small, like that is like a shame producing factory. Like, I don't see how yeah. anyone wouldn't feel shameful about something in their lives. Like, I just don't see how that builds, builds people up or builds up a community. That's such a good way to say it. A shame producing factory. It, it is mm-hmm. that I think in a lot of ways, uh, because there's this like, we, I think in the, when I say we, I say that I'm talking like the church haven't learned to um accept the fact that we're human and like we're gonna fail and struggle and fall and get up and like that's all part of it right mm-hmm. but like i feel like they say that to get you in the door but then when you're there that's but they don't mean yeah you don't see it yeah that was my experience you, you, and then you see hi- yeah. like you see hypocrisy meaning like they say like oh like they sh- they put on the front like it's all good but when in reality it's like still happening in the backgrounds you know and you just mm-hmm. don't um yeah, I agree. I think they say that in the door. But I I think it's harder for people to, to, like, I think it's easier to say it, but it's harder to live it, meaning, like, it's hard to be vulnerable. Yeah. Like, if you haven't been taught that and you haven't been in a, a culture where that's an accepted thing, to step out in this vulnerability of, like, hey, here I am. I'm the guy that had the affair and, you know, I'm an alcoholic. Like, yeah. I, even, like, no joke. So when we started my podcast, uh, I recorded two, two uh, different guests on it. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there being like, I'm asking people to share their story and I haven't even verbally ever said mine. So I like looked at my wife. Yeah. So I looked at my wife and I was like, Hey, you want to record me? Like, be, you want to like the, like the host? I did the same 
bring this really? back. all my girlfriends together. Uh, like, guys, if we're going to bring this back, I need to get it. And it was a, yours was much better than mine. Oh man. Mine was like, but it was funny. Like literally we came out to my little office. Kids were asleep at night, recorded it. Next day I posted it. And I was like, do you realize we just put that out there to the world? Like, mm-hmm. like I was like, I don't know how many people freeing? are listening, but it was. And at the same time, I like, Probably the one, number one people I had the most fear about listening to it was the people that didn't really, really, really know me, like hadn't known me well. And they, all they heard was that. And they were the people mm. from the church. Yeah. You know, that's too interesting to me. That like, It was the people from the church that didn't know the depth of my story. All they got to hear was that one hour clip it. The judgment I, f- would, I felt would come from them was what scared me the most. How could they not uh, respect you for owning it and putting it out there? And that, and that's like the main, I feel like that's yeah. the main sign that you are healed from it and changed that you're right. willing to go public like that, you know? Yeah. And I, but see, I don't like everyone that's gone through what I have. I don't think it's everyone's, not everyone is designed to be a vocal yeah. voice about it uh, to the masses, you know, but like, yeah, you should be able to talk about it with your closest friends. Yeah. Um, you should it shouldn't hold any weight anymore if you if you really have moved through it to to those closest. But not everyone's called to to be like a loud voice about it, and um, you know. But for me, I feel like I am. So I feel like I I want to be the one that like people are going to hear and go, "Wow, he talked about it." Maybe I can call him and he can help me walk through it because I'm in the middle of it. You know? Yeah. Uh, and give them the or, power. To yeah. Or it. even like at this conversation about the church, I want the church to get here and go. And maybe come back and ask themselves the question of like, okay, yeah, we say that we want you to be all like, come as you are type situation. But when you get here, we ask you to be pretty clean. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I hope they ask that question to themselves. Like, what's yeah, up? We, we talked about that in an in a episode, um, the one we did with Ron, because he was, he had become clean about some things too. And like in his past and he knew going into that, that that would take him out of all those leadership roles. And it, it sounds like within the church. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of similar to yours with you not even being asked to like come back and do things. When, like I said, now I feel like you have more of an insight and a heart for helping than, than you probably did without those experiences. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's wild. And what a message to the other people in that church that, oh, okay, like Zach messed up. He is shunned essentially like goodbye. So I can't share my issues with, with anyone. Yeah. What's going right. to happen to it me? silences people. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to some degree, I mean, like I haven't been asked to speak so to clarify that, but our community that we're at now, like when we started our nonprofit, they rallied behind it. That's and, amazing. You they know should, what I mean? Yeah. And like, and. Cause they got to know you. Right. And like, they, I, about what yeah, yeah. I, I get up on stage and we share what's going on with the, you know, Village of Hope and all that stuff and the nonprofit and the foster kids. And like, they're super involved in that. It's like, absolutely. You know, and so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I have, I have, for me, I have such a love for what the church could be mm. potentially, um, that it keeps me hanging around there long yeah. enough to see like, That's you, awesome. you know, maybe we could see a change. Cause I do like when I, for me, like when I talk identity and different things, like um, when I talk to people and they don't necessarily maybe believe in Jesus, I have no problem being like, Hey, let's talk to, about your identity and listen and call it a voice of love. Like what does love have to say to you? Because I believe a voice of love will speak to you. For me, mm-hmm. I call it Jesus, you know, and to me, that, that's the why behind everything for me. 
um, as far as like choosing to go down this road. Cause I could go down a more selfish road of life. That would be way more probably fun at times, you know, but for me like that the all or nothing yeah, yeah right. well, i can <laughs> go do that oh <laughs> uh, gosh i am still trying to convince my wife to be like let's buy a sailboat and go sail around the world um with it with our kids and so She's like i need you to just lean into the nothing a little bit yeah, yeah no no hers is we like her, hers is like why don't you she supports buying a boat she's like why don't you just buy one and learn yeah. how to sail at first and i was like step one <laughs> i was like no i was like we'll figure it out so uh that's so funny. You're going all around the world. You're going to do your Iron Man. You're going to do it all right from the beginning. I love that about you. I, I think, think having a podcast, I think having a podcast going around the world and just interviewing people as you meet would be a really fun. That sounds so. like a dream uh, on a literal have, We've had that dream too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then COVID yeah. happened. <laughs> I know. That put a, but you know what? Through that, it brought so many different ways of like us getting to meet people that we never would have gotten to yeah. meet otherwise. So no, that's true. Yeah, I, I, I love it. So I do want to ask, um, and this might be a stupid question, but like, what do you love about island life compared to like mainland living? Um, I felt like, I think the biggest, I mean, I love to go, I love the, I love surfing and I love the water. I love like, I love that my kids are growing up like spearfishing and fishing and surfing and like, that's just what they know. Mm-hmm. So I, I love, I love that. But I think the biggest thing is like, it's community, um, meaning that like, I felt like in cold weather environment places, there was this, this like hibernation isolation that would happen during the winter times. And then all of a sudden you come out for a couple months in the summertime when it's sunny and hot and you hang out with everybody. Um, or I feel like here it's just like constant that like mm-hmm. you go to the beach on the weekends or after the end of the day to watch sunset and you shoot the text out like, hey, we're at this beach and people show up, you know, and their kids like live life together. and. Um, it's just really simple. I feel like it's just like you go on hikes, you go to the beach, your kids play together, live life together. Um, and then, yeah, we get to, I just, I just like that. I think I just like so much the whole weather invites in community. Mm-hmm. So you said you had a guest house, right? stepping into that phase of my life right yeah? now with this small, yeah. Well, coming from Dallas and being in a bigger city to now this, this tiny thing where everybody knows everything and, you know, all that and in a sweet way, yeah. <laughs> you know, not in a judgmental way. It's, it's very family and community focused here. And I can feel that even only being here less than a month and it's exciting. It feels really good. It feels like the right place to raise a family. And oh. so that's, I love that you have that. Yeah. Cause Maui, well. Maui, if you took, if you take away all the tourists, like COVID did for a while. Mm-hmm. It's a really small island, you know, as far as like population wise, you know, you go anywhere, you're going to run into people and, um, but it's just a very, like everyone just, yeah, just desires the same, like watching their kids play at the beach and we sit in our Tommy Bahama beach chairs and sit and talk life, you know, it's just kind of, you know, it's fun. What a great life you're living. Thank uh, you for hanging out with us today. Yeah. Really oh, I had, a, I had a blast talking with you guys. Seriously, I'm excited for what you guys are doing. Um, Thank, you. Thank I think, you. I think it's crucial. I just think the more conversations like this that keep happening, are, they're needed. So, yeah. We'll come back and hang out with us anytime. Or, or yeah. we'll stop by the guest house. Don't worry. Hey, <laughs> yeah. I, like, seriously, if you guys don't look us up while you come to Hawaii, it, it'll make me sad. So. <laughs> All right, you guys, have an amazing, amazing day. Thanks. Get some sleep. All right, you too, Zach. <laughs> yeah, get some sleep. Bye. Bye. All right, bye, guys. 
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HTC community. Find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Have the Combo and click around on our links to find ways that you can get involved. Talk soon.